Welcome, Fivers, to another episode of High Five, the podcast, the movie podcast for people who like other stuff, too. On this week's episode, your hosts Q and Jay dive into some of their favorite movies and hopefully talk about some of your favorites, too. Feel free to yell at your speakers when we ignore your favorites, or you could just tweet at us with your choices, like an adult. Now, let's join Q and Jay in the writer's room as they dive in. Fair warning. This podcast may contain spoilers for movies that came out 20 years ago, but at this point, that's really your fault. And now, on with the show. Well, hello there, boys and girls. Welcome, everybody. We are here. Uh, I am your instructor, Jay. And I am your co-instructor, Q. Perfect, perfect. We're, we're, we're so glad that you all could come here today to high-five colon the sex ed class. Um, your, your high school, middle school teachers ask us to host this. Yes. Um, I'm not really sure why. Q, why did they ask us to do this? Well, mainly because when, uh, when, a, when a mommy teacher uh-huh. loves a daddy teacher, okay, right, right. Um, they realize that the best way to help out their baby Teachers, is that okay. right? Um, students, to, most people it, call them. Yeah, students. Got it. Not baby is, teachers, students. Some of them will re- grow up to become teachers. So but they're, but they're grown-up teachers. Yes. Got it. Yeah. Uh, is to reach out to podcasters. Okay. Because as everybody knows podcasters are the most sexually woke group in existence. It's true. I mean, there are at least four. Four podcasts that I can think of just about sex uh, already. And so we're going to give you guys some advice. Um, You know, guys, I know your body is changing. The hormone monster is is fighting you day in and day out. Um, You know, sometimes, I'm going to be honest, your peener is going to get hard. And what do you do with it, guys? You slam it in a book. That's right. That's right, Q. Because the only... Preach, Q. Because the only way to stop... Every, and we're going to call it by its medical term to stop a boner. Okay, yes. Is to flatten it. Yeah, you got to flat, flatten it right out. Jared, I want to see you taking notes. All right, right, flatten it right out. Now, girls, now, girls I'm not going to leave you out. Girls, you also get what is called in the medical circles a lady boner. Yes, yeah. Now, when now, this most happens. Of the time, most of the time, a lady boner happens when you're watching Lifetime or, um, you know, or if Channing Tatum is around. Right. And when you get a lady boner, it's very similar to a male boner. Right. Except it's on the inside of your body. So yeah. your internal penis, as girls have. Yeah. Goes, An inner peen, as the doctors call it. Goes up inside yep. of you. Right? Yep. And, and if you're not careful, you get pregnant, and that's why right. you have to wear a condom. Exactly. All the time. Exactly. All, all the time. All the time. Now, girls, what I've also heard is that one of the best forms of birth control is to just scream ABBA as, large as, as loud as you can all day long. Yes, that is true. Yeah. you That will 100% keep you from having babies. Dancing now it. Queen. You see, look around, look around you, everyone. No, who's babies. having sex in here? Nobody, nobody, right? That's right. 
So, uh, so yeah, I feel like this advice is good. It's solid. People um, now uh, Q, know. Q, 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 yeah. uh, I hate mm-hmm. to interrupt you. Um, the sure. principal of the school is looking at us, and he oh, is hey. making some very violent hand motions. I don't think we're supposed to be here. Oh, is it? <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait, Did is you... this the middle school that we're doing the? It's not. Police? It's not. Throw on the way. You know oh. what, Q? I think we should go. Um. Yeah. All right. Don't listen to anything we said. Principal's coming. Uh, instead, instead, watch Big Mouth. Yeah. Okay. Bye, everybody. Bye. Should we high five? High five. High five. High five. High five. High five, son. Woo! High five. Don't leave me hanging. Woo! Yeah, that was. That was close. All right, back in the writers' room. Um, Q, let me ask. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who actually called and scheduled us to, to talk about sex with those middle schoolers? Well, listen. Don't get upset. I was proactive on this one. You're all, you know how you're like telling me to like reach out. You want to branch out in high five the podcast. Yes. We want to do more live shows and yeah. like conventions. Uh-huh. Well. I thought we could branch out into sex ed classes in in middle schools. When I ask you to get us to be cons, that's mm-hmm. not what I that's not what I meant. Well, I, I mean, I figured con, like it's same thing, convention, convict. That's like Those aren't the same similar. thing at all, Q. That is Those are very ba- different things. Basically, well, I okay, listen. I booked us at this middle school for sex ed class and then I also went to New York Comic Con, right? Who's okay. to say either one of those things are incorrect? No one. <laughs> well, okay. As long as tomorrow's middle school sex ed class goes better than today's, I think we'll, I think we'll be fine. Perfect. You just you know what they say. Practice when you first fail, when you oh. first fail at middle school sex, try try again. That's ex- <laughs> that's exactly what everybody says. That's a well-known if fact. If everybody is in jail. Yep. <laughs> well, that's exactly but hey, wait a minute! You just mentioned mm-hmm. something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Q, did you go to New York Comic Con? I did. Holy crap! I am so jealous of you, dude. I did. It was amazing. Uh, I didn't have to teach anyone what to do with their boners. That is great. Uh, I would imagine that at a at a, a pop culture con, everyone knew exactly what to do with their boners. Yep, hide it away so nobody ever sees it. <laughs> So now you got to go to this con because of our wonderful patrons over at the Project Nerd Project Nerd. Yeah, absolutely. Network, right. So Project Hyphen Nerd, our benevolent overlords, uh, saw fit to send me to New York Comic Con on behalf of them and their kingdoms, their oh, realm, man. if you will. I was an emissary, you know. For and you all even brought uh, Gates of Haley up with you. I sure did. So Haley, Haley came with. Um, it was like a real. It was a. It was a high five, Project Nerd, co-production, if you will. Oh, I love it. I wish, dude. I you have no idea how badly I wish I was there with you. Um, it was crazy. Uh, there's a couple people. I think um, few people showed up somewhere in like the three hundred thousand range. Serious? Are you serious? Were there three hundred thousand people there? There were three hundred thousand people oh. there. So okay, now you are now the only one of us that has been to both New York Comic Con and Dragon Con. Yes. New York is bigger, right? Definitely. Okay, because I remember when you came back from Dragon Con, you're like, man, I don't know how it gets crazier than this. Yes. No. This is definitely bigger. Oh my um, goodness. That's dude. the crazy part. 
Now, now I will express to you there are two. I am learning now there are two types of conventions. Mm-hmm. Dragon Con and New York Comic Con are very different from each other. New York Comic Con is a con where you go to like buy exclusive merchandise for your sure. fandoms or to see the biggest celebrities and entertainment industry panels about movies and television. And Dragon Con is where you go to like get really fucked up while dressed <laughs> up and hanging out with a bunch of people who also like the same fandoms that you like. So you can't get fucked up at New York Comic Con? I mean, you can, but it's just not as in- beneficial. It's not as beneficial. There are no hotel parties. Oh. And see, that's where uh, see that's where it starts to get mixed up. Dragon Con takes place over the several hotels. Right. So With there's dragons. always like weird nerd orgies going on all over the place. <laughs> that's the thing. When you go down to Atlanta for Dragon Con, as you're driving into Atlanta over the interstate, they said, beware nerd orgies ahead. Exactly and exactly, Everyone and you can either like orgies. <laughs> who doesn't though? Am I right? I mean, am I hey, right or on. am I right? Come on, everybody! Who here among us? Ha- raise your hand if you've never been to a nerd orgy. Put your hands down. I don't want to know. It's gross. Um, <laughs> now, now New York Comic Con uh, was a whole different beast, though, man. It was exciting. It was overwhelming. It was yeah. gigantic. Uh, but part of the awesome side of going as press thanks to project nerd fancy man over here was i got the opportunity to sit down with some of today's biggest entertainment industry stars see and that's again another reason i'm even more jealous of you because not only did you get to go but you were sending me pictures you we actually even have some on our instagram of you going to like are you afraid of the dark panels and big mouth panels and seeing, you know, Ryan Reynolds talk about an upcoming movie that no one else has heard about yet. And exactly. Just, oh, dude, now, dude. Not, now, not only did I get to go to these panels though, is it for some of these panels, I got to actually talk to the yeah. people in the production. One of those such panels is big mouth. Which I got to, uh, oh, I love that show. I got to sit down uh, in very close proximity with Nick Kroll and really? Jason Mantzoukas. Yep. Oh. And Jesse Klein. All of Big Mouth fame. And uh, get a little insight on season three, which is now currently streaming on Netflix. Which, that was interesting because I it was funny because I was seeing your pictures from the panel of Big Mouth. Mm-hmm. And then I went on Netflix and I was seeing it advertised. And I was like, oh, I can totally watch this. I haven't watched it because we're still deep in the thralls of our 31 days of horror movies. Which sure. pretty much puts anything else on pause until after the month of October. Sure. But I was super excited to see that because, dude, you know, uh, I, I don't know if I've mentioned it on the show before, but I love Big Mouth. There are things that Netflix animation is doing that I just could not be happier with. Things like BoJack Horseman and Big Mouth being specifically two of them. Um, oh. We've even gotten into that disenchantment, the the uh, the Simpsons. Oh, the, the Matt, Matt Groening, Groening show. show? Not as good as the other two, but still watchable and enjoyable in its own right. But Big Mouth sure. was one that, when it came sure. out, kind of dumbfounded me by how good it was. It's crazy good, man. Um, it's smart. It's funny. 
it is shockingly accurate as yes. to the realities of going through puberty and sexual awakenings. Um, it is one of those shows where, you know, if we decide to retire from teaching sex ed classes, I Which almost we never, will. never, because we're not giving up on the future when the no. future is the kids. The kids you know are saying? the future. 100 percent. Global um, warming long- is happening. We need to get to some global banging. And as long as we're allowed within 500 feet of a school, we'll be there. That's right. Um, Till they know, tell us Connecticut, we're not. Uh, notwithstanding, because we're not allowed there anymore. Exactly. That's fair. That is true. Sorry. But who cares? Fuck Connecticut. <laughs> yeah, because, yeah, exactly. Fuck those guys. Uh, now, back to Big Mouth. Okay, yes. Uh, so, the opportunity arose for me to go to what essentially was a very small press conference um, that happened prior to the Big Mouth panel. Um, And so I was one of probably, I don't know, 15, 20 reporters. Oh, wow. Um, So, like, Nick Kroll looked at you. Oh, we had prolonged eye contact. Are you best friends now? Am I getting replaced on the show? Uh, well, I mean, let's be honest. You haven't been on the show in seasons. Uh, really, really. All the recording we've been doing, you've just been scrapping. I do. I throw it away. Replacing it with you and Nick Kroll talking about stuff for years now. Damn it! I I thought I sounded funnier than when I recorded. uh, Well, I was gonna be. I was gonna say, but that just shows me that you haven't been listening in years. Uh, like you. Every time a new episode releases, you text me and you're like, oh, my God, the episode was so great. I loved it so much. Meanwhile, I'm like, there's no way he listened because he would know that he's not on this episode. Well, and for everybody listening, that's just how good of a character actor that Nick Kroll is. Shouldn't you say for everybody not listening because this episode is no different. It's also going in the garbage. You got me again. (laughs) Every time. I even told you what was happening. So we're still recording, though, next Sunday, right? Yeah, 100%. Okay, great. I'll be there. We'll be there. Great. Brand new episode, following week, following Friday. I'll be there. I'll be there. (laughs) Um, But... Yes, I got prolonged eye contact with uh, Nick Kroll. I also got to have a uh, eyeball fucking session with Jason Manzukis. Oh man, those are the best. Uh, Jesse, I hear Klein, he's great at that. Jesse Klein refused to look at me. Probably smart. Let's be honest. Smart on her part. She's not going to get Jason Manzukis's sloppy eye seconds. No, she's not. And honestly, can't blame her. She deserves better than that. She does. She does. Uh. I got regaled with fascinating behind-the-scenes information regarding the series. What uh, was uh, what was the best thing that you heard? Like, what was uh, the neatest tidbit that you heard on the panel? Probably that uh, Jason Manzukis uh, records explosive diarrhea scenes in every every recording session. They always get cut, but he is convinced that one day. <laughs> They will be super cut back into the series. Are you making that up, or is that for real? Nope, that was for real. That was. Uh, I mean, I, he's probably making it up, but that was as <laughs> as you will soon hear because I've decided I'm going to let you listen to the recording. What you're going to take me back in time? I am going to take you back in time. We're going to hop in this DeLorean that I bought very expensively at New York Comic Con. Yeah, well, I mean, everything there has at least a twenty percent markup. I'm going to be honest, probably not the best place to buy your time traveling equipment. 
Um, you I mean, get or it, it might much be the cheaper best place to buy your time travel. Maybe equipment. it's definitely the coolest looking, um, and it works pretty well. All right, now Q, um, this the the one right here that that you're that you're pointing to, right? This is the time yes. machine we're gonna get into. Yep. Mm -hmm. That is a go kart. Now that's a DeLorean. I know it says DeLorean on it, but that's on yep. Sharpie. Look, I'm just rubbing nope. my thumb on it, and now it says Orion. Look, it's got the food processor on the back, just like that, in the movie. It that, looks exactly the same. That's not a food processor. That's a Mike Tyson's grill. Yeah, and it's a time Wait, no, grill. no, George Foreman grill. That's a George right. Foreman grill. <laughs> no, Damn it. I like I the Mike Tyson grill. <laughs> <laughs> you cook ears in that. You do. Uh, they taste great. It's a Mike Tyson grill. Uh, this this thing tastes fantastic in this. <laughs> Seriously. Stupendous. Seriously tasty food. Uh, but yes, so no, this is 100% a DeLorean. I'm excited. <laughs> Do you like I like that, that I you're used? using air quotes <laughs> on a podcast where nobody... <laughs> like, I can sort of hear air quotes in your voice, but I can see you doing air quotes. <laughs> nobody listening to this can see you doing air quotes. Not even Jason Manzukis can see you doing that. He's too busy having explosive diarrhea. That is very, very true. So... Q, what we're about to do, as I hear you, if I hear you correctly, we're about to yes. go back in time together. I'm going to yep. join you at this panel, and everybody yes. listening is going to join us back in time and hear this panel that you went to. Got to go back in time. Got to back yep. in time. Dancing queen in Here we go. Oh Two waters and dad go. show to begin with was animating it and having adults voice the kids so that we could talk about much more um, mature content and and get away with stuff and I think we're also incredibly conscious if we're making a joke that steps towards the line or over it that we comment on it to make it very clear that we are aware of what we're doing and I think that that is helpful in allowing us to do more uh, outlandish, crazy material. Um, what, what, when did you guys have the idea of the whole concept of it? Um, Andrew Goldberg and, and uh, Mark Levin and Jen Flackett, who I co-created the show with, came to, uh, came to me with the idea of a show about based on me and Andrew being in, in middle school. Andrew and I have been friends since first grade. Um, and it immediately made sense. and. And again, we started talking about the adults voicing kids, um, which 
I think allowed animation to be a central focus and then starting to think of stuff like the hormone monsters um, felt like oh this this can be animated this is and can live there and and we sort of ran from there and it felt like puberty was something that literally everyone goes through and it's a universal experience and all you're hoping for I think is to create a show that is um, that people can find a way in on and, and everybody's experienced this thing so it hopefully would be able to have a broad audience. Uh, okay. So with Connie taking over for Tyler with the Hormone Monster, how is that going to influence the character of Nick and the rest of the series? Well, I think it, you know, in, in the case of Nick, who, who had, a, had Rick the Hormone Monster, the old man, and then, and then got Tyler, uh, and then Connie, I think it uh, it speaks to what I think I felt a bit at that point and really throughout my life, which is, uh, you know, that your hormones aren't necessarily entirely masculine or feminine. Um, and I think really this season was the first season we wrote after uh, Me Too took hold. And so a lot of the season is the kids struggling with uh, living in a post-Me Too world where uh, women and girls are, are fed up and, and angry and and men are trying to understand how to deal with their masculinity and and Nick I think finds himself somewhere in between because he has a female hormone monster that he is trying to navigate where where he fits inside of all of that. We had the idea of, uh, we, we're all watching Queer Eye and we just love the show and we thought uh, that Coach Steve would be a funny person to Queer Eye. Because uh, like underneath, he's like, I like to describe as like a melon with a mustache, but underneath that is like, we always were like, there might be like a good looking guy underneath all that. So we, um, we, we just really approached them. I had met them all, a bunch of them at Netflix events and knew them a bit casually and we went through Netflix and went to the, the show and they were immediately on board and, you know, trying to coordinate their schedule in between their, sh while they were shooting seasons was, took a little bit of work, but they were down and they were great. And it, you know, it's, it, it was just a show that we all loved watching. So we, we, we gave it a shot and they were down. It was great. Yeah, we did a we did an episode of where the kids put on a musical of the movie Disclosure, uh, <laughs> the '90s movie, and I, I had it came up. We wanted to do a musical, a kids musical episode, and we thought like, what would it be a funny object for it? And I was like, well, the bad example would be like Disclosure, and then it kind of stuck. And I think we 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 kept trying to find another project, but it worked well because Disclosure is this story about. Um, women weaponizing sexual harassment and really white upper middle class male paranoia um, and it was made 25 years ago um, so it's a real 90s kind of movie and so it, it ended up being kind of a perfect movie to talk about uh, our way into talking about sexual harassment and everything that has the, the conversation that the country and the world has been having around that area um, and then we talked about it on, the, on how did this yeah, get made. And then, uh, yeah, the How Did This Get Made podcast, which I'm one of the hosts of, we did an episode dedicated to the movie Disclosure, 
that allowed us to talk about it and then also talk about the episode of the Big Mouth Missing. <clears throat> Jesse draws them all. I draw them all, but I also have, I, I have them all already drawn, so then Nick just tells me which one he needs. Um, we uh we have our we have an incredible uh, character design team and animators and and um we uh, you know I'm trying to think we usually we, we in general with character design as much as possible we try to when we cast someone we try to use that person like the shame wizard. We had been working on the design for when we got David Thewlis to voice the Shame Wizard. We then sent the design. We sent our designers pictures of David to then go back in and add some of the details of it. Um, we did the same with um, a lot of the Ali Wong's character, for example. When we cast Ali, she really feels like Ali, and there's something about giving a real reference to people that adds some weird specificity to the humanity of the characters. Um, like Mona, for example, who is Missy's hormone monstrous, who will be new this season, uh, we got Tandy Newton to play Mona, um, and that is more like, we were drawing, it took a while to find her design as we took a while to, to cast and figure out who Mona was, and we landed on her being kind of like a fun London party girl, so when you see the final design, she's sort of in the Connie family of a hormone monstrous, but... She's got things and like, we realize like Connie's hair is a very active part of her character. Um, Mona's got shorter hair and we slowly, as we went along and, and developed and saw Mona come to life, we then realized like her tail could be something that would be an extra flourish to, you know, uh, to, to, to just add personality to the character. So we're always trying to find those things in. And once we create some sort of element to it, we try to find the flourishes with inside of. Right, uh, with hormone monsters, shame wizards, pillows, bath mats, has there ever been something that wasn't, like, that was suggested to be anthropomorphized and they decided not to? Um, we, um, n no, I mean, I remember on my birthday last year, there's an episode where we go back to Duke Ellington, where Duke tells the boys about his puberty and how he lost his virginity and discovered ragtime music. And there's a thing in it where Maury, the young Maury offers this guy Archduke Ferdinand, and it's the Archduke Ferdinand, like a little, like, World War I German uh -huh. penis. <laughs> Everyone gets it, go on. Um, and the we, impetus for World War One. Yes, yes. Um, so, something like that we come up with, that came, we came up with on my birthday, and you'll see the episode. It's insane. It's a tangent with inside the episode. And I had, I, I just had this moment where I was like, I can't believe on my, this is my job. Like, I really had a moment where it was like, this is my birthday. I couldn't ask for a better gift than saying Archdick Ferdinand and knowing that within a couple weeks there would be a tiny World War One German dick drawn with a funny little mustache. Um, so no, it really, there is no limit, and it's the, what is the most fun thing about animation, and specifically our show, that any flight of fancy can immediately become a reality, and there's just no limits, no production limits or anything.
Well, I'll just I'll say something and then let them speak. We we write we do as many drafts and and polishes as we can, and then we get the scripts in front of of Jason and Jesse and the rest of our cast, and they're some of the funniest improvisers and comedic minds working, and we try to suck as much of them out of it as possible. I'd say one of the best uh, recurring comedy shows in LA is the Big Mouth Table Read that happens, you know, Tuesdays when we're in season. Um, it's the funniest script read by some of the funniest people in town. Um, and they've done a great job writing, but then for us, it's about getting in the booth, preferably together as much as possible because there are opportunities. We've all known each other for decades. We've all come up in, you know, imp with improv backgrounds, that kind of stuff. So there is an element of playfulness that allows for discoveries in the room that can then turn into recurring bits throughout or can just be one-off tangents and whatever but it makes it the fact that we record together atypically from a lot of the other uh, animation i've done the fact that we do record together has that sense adds that sense of discovery and that feeling that uh moment to moment some anything can happen that i feel like translates to the show quite well yeah i all of those things essentially and I mean I would just add I actually don't come from an improv background really I did stand up but um, regard like the, res the show is so good but even if it was bad which it's not for me it is so fun to get to be in the booth with people like Nick and Jason just doing scenes where I I'm like getting to play in this way that I never did before and it Truly, there are moments where I cannot, I almost can't breathe. It's so funny. What oh, and we always doing. laugh. Like, that's yeah. the thing. Yeah. Everybody wants to know, like, is, are you afraid you're going to laugh? We just do laugh. Yeah. We laugh all the time. It's the beauty of animation is you just reset and yeah, start just again. Pick it back and, up. But I would, also, I would also just add that as dirty and hopefully funny as the show is, we're also trying to infuse it with as much sort of sentiment and heartwarmingness as possible. And I believe recording that stuff together is as useful as the improvising that we do because to be able to act with Jason or Jesse or Maya, you know, or or John Mulaney or, or Jenny Slate or whoever I'm working with, it, it there's a humanity that's infused when you're acting opposite someone versus just doing your lines alone in a booth. Um, and so I find the collaborative process of the more dramatic stuff to be as important to, to be able to work with other people. Uh, actually, speaking to that, when you guys started the show, did you have any idea of like the lasting legacy it might have, given that kids can just easily find it on Netflix, and if they're feeling awkward or out of place in their own bodies, they might find some comfort in it? Um, I don't. I think we really thought it was a fruitful area for a show because puberty felt like something that everything everyone's gone through and, and that the stakes were in so high. Um, but we really made the show for us. And the fact that kids have gravitated to the show and taken to it uh, is incredibly gratifying. Um, and, and the idea that a kid who might feel alone or alienated or confused or embarrassed about what's happening to them, the idea that they would watch the show and maybe feel less so in any of those ways is in, to me incredibly gratifying. I had a friend come up to me and say 
I, I love the show, I'm watching it, it's great, very complimentary. And then he said, you know, and I've discovered that my oldest is also watching it without me knowing it. Um, and that at first made me nervous, but then it has precipitated a number of conversations between us that I would never have brought up, that she would never have brought up. But because we had both shared this, the, the show, we could talk about the episode of the show and how it dealt with the thing. And that that to me is pretty remarkable, that singular individual experiences can be bringing together parents and children to have conversations that both might have been too embarrassed to start on their own. It's a combination of things. I think season by season we get together in our room. Uh, we've been lucky to maintain a lot of the original writers and we bring in new people every year and trying to bring in different voices to speak to different versions of what different kids' uh, adolescent experiences are. Um, and then we have tentpole ideas that we're interested in, both storylines like this season there's like Nick has a is obsessed with his phone because we wanted to talk about what it's like for kids right now and their relationship to their phones and how different it was it is for them what it was like for us but we also want to talk about like uh, female the girls experience with masturbation and see, finding pleasure and I, I didn't know anything about it <laughs> but the writers wrote it for me and I read it yes um, and so we have elements like that or we have like we know we have started to explore like Jay's bisexuality and we want to we want to explore that more um, and then within that we really just are working on frameworks for a season at a time we're not we're not really thinking one we hadn't been picked up for three seasons um, but two we we, we want to both have a long vision but also pay respect to the idea that these kids are figuring this stuff out and letting the characters like tell us what they want to be and like like Jay's sexuality for example we didn't start out the show being like oh this kid is going to be in season three he'll you know yeah we just were like we, we just knew he was a sexual kid who liked having sex with his pillow but as we started to write to him we realized like oh maybe there's this kid is trying to is struggling through this or and that's what's great about the show is that things within earlier seasons can kind of flourish into other storylines or as these kids grow and age and as everybody does confront all of this stuff the show allows for it while never compromising what's funny or what it never betraying any of the kids inherent games or emotional feelings or anything like that yes and, and I think like for example Jay has these older siblings it's a mess of a house but we sort of played with that at first season three you see Jay kind of basically being being abandoned abandoned and moving in to Nick's house because I think all of us in the writers room knew a kid or were the kid that like had to go stay at someone else's house and middle school is around that time where it's like hey Jay's gonna be staying with us for a little while and there's a lot of comedy there but there's a lot of pathos there and a lot of truth that I think people can understand at that period of life like that that happens and like 
we didn't know that was going to happen, but it felt like it was. But we could that we have could predicted discover. it. I mean, look at that house. I know. Jay, Jay's really in it. Yeah. I think that you guys have a really interesting way about putting together your stories for the episode and then the overall season. You know, there are very serious tones that run throughout, but also you have like a very explicit sense of humor. So my question is really just kind of how do you find that balance in the episodes? Like, how do you make sure the joke doesn't go too far to compromise what the actual meaning is? Like, you were talking about how, you know, there, um, you had a friend who came up and talked to you about it. Do you think that they would have had a different reaction if you went a little further with a joke, that they wouldn't have taken maybe the message as serious? Uh -huh. I, I think, you know, I think that the show does the, I think the writers and producers and everybody do an amazing job and have built, uh, you know, like a foundation of not just um, really funny characters who are just mix them up and they're going to be funny any which way, but like developing genuine, deep, emotional lives for these kids to have, both, and not just the kids, the adults as well. I feel like in exploring the world, in, in building out from just the kids, you've gotten to know the divorces, you've gotten to know the parents you know, lives as well, and, and bringing an emotional depth to them is, allows for both to be examined without selling either out, without compromising the emotional storylines for jokes, and without the emotional storylines making the jokes feel like they shouldn't be there. You know, I think it's a delicate balance, but one that they've done a kind of masterful job for us to come in, to come in and be, be given an episode where I'm both very emotionally distraught because I've been like home alone by my parents, but then also be able to make like deeply funny sex, like dirty jokes and have both be possible because they are the expression of this kid's uh, careening id and insecurities. I think that's kind of great that it's not just one or the other. In We're aging the look. A show about puberty feels like it owes the evolution, and that we see the kids change. We're also doing it. What the joy is that we don't have to like do it too fast, like when your other coming of age shows where the kids just physically mature. So we're kind of slowly aging them. Um, I don't. I, I mean, I assume as we age them, we'll continue to have those kids deal with the realities of what feel age appropriate, you know? So like, um, that's the simplest answer I can give. Um, but they're not like other animated characters who are frozen in time. Correct. You know, they're not, Bart Simpson is Bart Simpson is Bart Simpson is Bart Simpson. Like these kids are already older than they were in season one, Yeah. you know? But they're not, I don't think season five, they're gonna be juniors in college. Correct. You know? Yeah, I mean, we, we have we have tons of stories that we're still kind of t trying to tell. Um, like, we haven't, it seems so simple, but we haven't told a good acne story yet. Like, we haven't figured our way into that, like, hygiene stuff, which I think kids are, like, trying to figure out. Or hair, you know, like, things like all type versions of hair, you know, so, like, there are stories like that that we haven't quite figured out, um, but we're slow. You know, the beauty again is like, you know, there there seems to be no end to the amount of stories in adolescence and puberty, 
um, to tell, and I think we're, you know, patiently trying to, you know, make our way through them. Westchester. I grew up in Rye, and Andrew grew up in White Plains, um, and so it just felt like it made that was our experience. Um, so it felt like uh, a decent place to set it, and just you know felt like uh, suburbs, and it was the pl easiest place for us to speak honestly to what our experience was like. I would assume on some occasions topics come up in the writer's room that somebody may feel is just pushing it too far. Mm -hmm. you come across that a lot and you decide to put it in? Or? You know, the beauty of animation is you have so many different moments within the process to figure out where the line is. So, you know, we've got a table read, we've got a record, we've got a radio play, we've got an animatic, we've got a color final screening. So at every one of those stages, can leave a joke in and and if it doesn't feel like it's appropriate anymore then you pull it out um we're you know uh, there are certain things where we're like oh boy that's a lot of you know masturbation jokes that's a lot of shit jokes that's a lot of fart whatever it is you find that line and and you know we screen episodes and we can with our with everyone in the office and so at the animatic stage and at the color stage, so that is a very helpful way. Every episode we've recorded, Jay has, for example, violent diarrhea. Yeah. Every episode, and yet it just gets cut out every time. So well, one of these times there's gonna be just a full diarrhea episode. Well, I mean, just to be the fair, diarrhea to be fair, that's, that's your improvising. Jay, to be fair, and this is and where this is a little all, bit of my life comes into this is play method. for Jay. What Speaking Jason, of which, I gotta go to the bathroom. Yeah, Jay, this is Jason's method, is that he always, every week... Every character I play has violent yeah. diarrhea. As well, a, you hold it all week. Yes. <laughs> he has yeah. a big plate of fettuccine Alfredo and then comes yeah. with a record. Yeah, it's I take one wet dump a week. One wet dump a week. to us now from it? No! Um, no, it's just, uh, it's, it's, it's so vividly horrifying in terms of, I think when I occasionally, like, anytime I move, I find it in a box and I reread it, but it's just how earnest, how earnestly everything was felt, you know, and that everything felt so big, but also just like, the, I, there was no irony or sarcasm, like, in the experience, there was no other perspective when you're that age other than just being in it, and I have to say, like, reading scripts, the writers 
and I write all of that stuff. The neck handles that stuff, they don't let They don't let women. me write it because I haven't gotten my period yet. Yeah. Nick really has a handle on it. But, uh, um, it's, I, it's, it's one of the things that's fun about the show is getting to kind of be reminded of those moments in life that you've either forgotten or purposely blocked out. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't keep journals, but I, at all, but I think um, what I find ironically is that the stuff that I've talked about in therapy, so much of the stuff that I've talked about in therapy is stuff that started or manifested itself in that, in this period of time of, of adolescence. And so the show is this incredibly weird kind of therapeutic back and forth of me talking about what I'm going through now and how what happened to me at that age affected that and then bringing that into the room and having that come into into the room and then using some of the things that come up in episodes as a means to try to understand what it is I'm going through now. character like Matthew, voiced by Andrew Reynolds, um, you know, started the show as sort of our, like, sassy gay, gay kid, um, and he continues to be incredibly funny and sassy, but we were really interested in, in digging in more with him and understanding, uh, talking to that experience in a real way, um, so that's kind of exciting, um, I mean, I don't know, it's like, it's all sort of a jumble in my head, but, uh, that that's kind of interesting. Um, well, Allie's character, although I guess hasn't been introduced yet, but is introduced and is a like a, a major part. You know, yes. there are new characters. Yes, um, and Jay continues to have nuanced relationship with his pillows. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Uh, when you make the show and since it started, has there ever been someone you want on the show, or like when you talk to fans, has there been like a top request for someone to be on the show? Well, I, I've tried. We tried to get Howard Stern to be Nick's, uh, the hormone monster up in uh, the Department of Puberty. Um, I wrote a, a letter to his agent. Uh, um, he politely declined because um, uh, I think he'd be a, he'd be a pretty good hormone monster. And Fine. as a fan, yeah, as a fan of Howard Stern, I think he would love this show as well because I, he talks so much about his life during this era of time for him and, and how important it is to the person he is now, I think he would really be into it. And I, he, I think he actually at one point mentioned it, but it's, and also because Ronnie, the limo driver, is a hormone monster. Yeah. I mean, he truly is. Um, so we have, you know, but we've been incredibly lucky that the people we've gone out to have largely said yes to doing the show. And um, it's, and we've been in, blessed with I think the most talented voice cast in, in animation so very grateful for that can we do one more I feel like you raised your hand every yeah. time and never got Go called on uh-huh 
Um, I mean, I think the references to the New York area are just, it's where I grew up and, you know, let's go Mets, you know, like Jesse grew up in the city. We bonded years and years ago about both being Mets fans growing up. And, um, I, I just think it's, I mean, coach Steve, for example, is such a, to me, such a New York character. It's Um, a New York show. It is a New York show. And, And so it's, you know, we're we're pulling from whatever our our little our little pop culture Rolodex. We all have different ones, um, and you you're pulling out like a, a, a card, and um, so a lot of them end up being that to New York area specifics. But it's just I think there is universality and specificity. So I think like if a show takes place in New York, you make a lot of New York references, but people in Canada and and Mexico and Idaho will appreciate it even if they don't even understand specifically the reference they, they understand in it's how lived in the characters are yeah. and that you know it's those type pulling in those little things really make you feel like you are watching a fully three-dimensional fully lived character yeah who happen to be cartoons and also let's go men yeah let's go <laughs> is it over for them yeah it's, it's their hour fired their men okay oh, <laughs> alright guys thank you thank you So now that uh, now that you've you've now gone done. back in time and you've lassened, listened to the panel, have you lassened? Now that you lassened to the panel, uh, what are your thoughts? What are you, some of your favorite takeaways? I think my favorite thing that they talked about was just how they got their inspiration because Nick Kroll's uncle has a huge mouth. Yes, and he's just like, he's- man, Uncle Stu, you've got such a big mouth. And he's like, I got a hormone off with the in my pants. And then they made yep. a show out of it. Yeah. Crazy. That was my right? favorite part of the panel, I think. Other what than was that, your least favorite part? Uh my least favorite part was when Jesse uh Jesse Klein um uh-huh. insulted me personally and called me a big fat bear of a sad person. That wasn't nice. Yeah, I'm I, sorry. I wasn't even there. I know. Well, you, but you were know what everybody you else were left. now in this alternate timeline. Ooh. You were there. <laughs> oh. No, that was this great. Is though. Just... I'm glad that you took me back in time. I'm sad that I that you made me leave the almanac. Um, yes, because honestly, I wanted information of sports from three days ago. Yep. And now I can never get that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I was going to get rich, dude. I was going to fund. This show, by getting us rich from the sports almanac that I got at the New York Comic Con that you took me back in time to three days ago. I'm not 100% sure you know how sports betting works because the statistics, things that happened three days ago are of no use to you in the future. Listen to me, you son of a bitch. Marty did it. In Back to the Future 2, Biff did it. In Back to the Future nope, 2, it went and the other he's way. Got, he's got a casino. <laughs> nope, he took it into the future. But no, no, they're back from the future. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, but the the almanac itself is from the future. So what, we what would is that gonna do? Those games would, haven't even happened yet. Exactly. We can't if we be, listen. If we bet on sports that happened three days ago, that's just like. Everybody has that information. <laughs> well, then that gives us an edge. <laughs> ah, I don't. 
I, do, I got you I to a wall. I don't think I really don't think you grasp how this works. But yes, you know what, Jay? We're gonna be super rich. Because exactly. here you go. Here is the almanac that I made you leave behind. You brought it? I actually brought it. I was gonna wait till your birthday three years from now, but I decided <laughs> to give it to you now on well, air. Q, I appreciate this, but wait a minute. All these games have happened already. This is fucking useless. That's what I was trying to explain. You, know you know what? what? <laughs> Screw it. Get get Nick Kroll here. I'm done. I'm done. I'm out. All right. I'm this deleting this episode. This is the last time I'll let you take me into the past and give me just some bullshit almanac. What about next week? Can I take you into the past next week for maybe a dis- Maybe I'll let you sit in on the Are You Afraid of the Dark panel. Oh, that'd be great. I'll be there. Yeah, let's do it. All right. One more trip. Okay. One more. You gotta go back in time. Mama said. <laughs> Wait, that's not Abba's song. <laughs> I don't know. We have reached the end of another High Five, the podcast episode. It's time to lock up the writer's room and rest comfortably, knowing we knocked out another great list of things you should be watching. If the guys didn't mention your favorites this week in their lists, you can harass them by emailing them at myfive at highfivethepodcast.com. That's M-Y-F-I-V-E at H-I-G-H-F-I-V-E-T-H-E-P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot com. Got that? Or connecting with them on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash high five the podcast. On Twitter at high the number five the podcast. Instagram at High Five the Podcast or on Letterboxd by searching High Five colon the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever else you listen to podcasts and drop the show a five-star rating to show us some love. What's the worst that could happen? Farting your skeleton out of your body? <laughs> Maybe. See you next week. Casper, that's a wrap. Cut printed. What happened to the next reel? Cut. Okay, that's a print. Okay, cut. That's a wrap. That's a wrap, people. Now let's get the hell out of here.